If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. How about that, friends? Steve Downs welcoming you to the world's greatest Xbox podcast, Podcast Unlocked, the voice of Master Chief. Uh, I am definitely not him. I'm not that cool. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, but I'm joined by cool friend, Destin Legary. Hey, everybody. Bam! Yes. That was a fantastic intro, that's for sure. <laughs> well done, Miranda Sanchez. Hello, I was, good morning or good afternoon, wherever you are. What if it's good evening? What if it's the evening? Or good you e- left all that no, out. You, you, don't, you don't get a good evening. <laughs> you get to oh, have a great harsh. evening. <laughs> and Seth Macy making his unlocked debut from IGN Maine. That is, man, I'm su- such an honor to finally be here. Yeah, you, you've completed your, your bingo card. Yep. You get a free uh, sandwich now from uh, San Francisco. Yep. <laughs> that's right. Welcome to the show. My friend Brendan Tyrell is locked down planning the IGN Summer of Gaming event that we've been telling you about the last couple of weeks. So uh, I expect we, we might not see poor Brandon as much for a while because that is uh, quite an undertaking trying to schedule that whole thing. But thankfully, Seth is up to the task. My fellow TurboGrafx-16 nerd, uh, he has his nerd credentials need no need no uh, establishing. They are well established. Look at that! I hate you that you have that. <laughs> Amazon still hasn't shipped mine or anyone else's. I mean, technically that's property of IGN, so I sh- I could send it to you. <laughs> you outrank true. me too, so you force <laughs> me to do that. Well, anyway, we're talking Xbox today, of course. Uh, but yes, I want to thank Steve Downs uh, and Cameo for making that intro possible. That was. That was some of the easiest money I've ever spent. All, <laughs> all of that. So S- Steve is on there with a bunch of other celebrities. My wife and I were going down the cameo rabbit hole after I showed that to her. And yeah, there's all kinds of celebrities on there who and right now, all the money for doing those, you know, whether you're just doing like a shout out or whatever it is, a birthday greeting and or you're a maniac like me and use it for a show. Uh, it's all for COVID-19 relief. It's all going to charitable relief fund. So that is the new unlocked intro. Get used to seeing it and hearing it because we're going to use it pretty much forever from now on because who's cooler than Steve Downs? All right. Uh, I want to start by talking about an interesting story that popped uh, over the past week. And that was a Bloomberg report, which cited some people uh, internal at Sony. uh, And this obviously will tie into Microsoft. And the, the long and the short of it is that Bloomberg was suggesting via their Sony sources that Sony might not ship as many PS5s in the first two quarters it's available uh, as they would have, as they did for PS4, because the high price combined with the anticipated lower demand due to the unfortunate economic circumstances now uh, means that that the the PS5 uh, might be in tougher supply than the PS4 was. And I wanted to get everybody's take on this because to me, again, as, it, as we're relating this to an Xbox podcast, it could open the door for Microsoft to get off to a faster start than, I mean, it goes without saying than last generation, but, or I should say, I guess this one still, but it, there's, there's, there is an opportunity for Microsoft here, depending on how they play things. 
Yeah, absolutely. I will chime in. <laughs> um, I, I think this could be a smart prediction just because, I mean, obviously, I, I don't know, like talking about the pandemic on, on the show is like a little weird always, but uh, they're like globally, like, our economies are being pretty hit in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like I definitely have family members who had to take pay cuts and uh, all sorts of other things. I know that everyone's being impacted in various ways. Um, so maybe there's not the biggest, I think there's still going to be, of course, like a demand for the next gen consoles, but maybe that demand will be diminished from what it would have been otherwise. Um, just because of like, oh, well I could buy a $500 console or I could keep paying my rent and have like the meals that I want. And right. so unfortunately that's like kind of the situation for some people and it's really, really tough. Um, so I think, you know, that's obviously more of the bigger concern than whether or not there will be more PS5s. But uh, I think, like, to your point, that if the availability of having more of our Xboxes available will maybe make it an easier choice for people who don't want to have to actually go hunt these down. And if, especially for those who I think were maybe on the fence of which to get first, it's like, oh, well, I could get this first because I like the games that'll be on the Xbox, but I could also get PlayStation 5. I'm not sure yet. Well, then maybe just, like, the availability of Xbox will make it a little bit easier. You make yeah, a so really, go ahead, Destin. A, Miranda makes a really good point, and actually, it also could give the, the Xbox a head start because they're going to have more of a chance to have a larger install base than the the PlayStation Five. Phil seems undeterred from his stance that they're going to have a decent amount of units, and there aren't going to be production impact. We'll see if that holds up. Um, I, I hope it does, but with the additional price point consideration of the PS Five being potentially more expensive. Xbox can at least match that price, and if there's more units on the shelves to purchase, that could be a good thing. They also don't want to go the other direction the way the Dreamcast did and have too many where they've oversaturated the market. So they'll probably find a sweet spot and you know figure it out and go from there. So here are the numbers. Let me, let me pull from this Bloomberg piece. Uh, Bloomberg reports an expected 500 to $550 price for the PS5. I think we've all kind of been, a lot of us have been thinking 500 all along for PS5. But uh, Bloomberg says Sony sold 7.5 million PS4s during its first two fiscal quarters and projects only 5 to 6 million uh, PS5s to be made. And I would presume all of those sold or the overwhelming majority of them sold. Uh, in the in the first two quarters, so um, that's a that's a potentially up to you know you're talking a third or so less uh, on the high side, but again, yeah, I think that if the, what's interesting about this is that it's Bloomberg talks about uh, the production capacity for Sony not not being the issue. It's not a we can't ramp up. The, the manufacturing facilities due to the pandemic. It's no, it's the anticipated demand, not the not the supply. So presumably that also means Microsoft's supply situation will be fine and they don't they won't have a a uh, production issue. But again, I go back to the Phil Spencer interview that we did on this show a few weeks ago where where Phil said uh, that they that they would be fluid on price and that he had the backing of the CFO and the CEO of Microsoft who I remind you all, a $1.33 trillion market cap company compared to Sony, a $78 billion market cap company. And that's not the be all end all because you have the Xbox division within Microsoft that's accounts for so much of the revenue and the PlayStation division accounting for a different, you know, its own big share of Sony's revenue. So it's not quite apples to apples, but it's still, you're talking about a, a, over a tenfold difference in overall market share. So my point is, if Microsoft decides to use that fluidity in price and either match or perhaps even undercut the PS5 on price and pump out more units than Sony is is willing to here, uh, at a lower price, Microsoft might be able to move all of those units if they go 400 or 450, something like that. So I, I feel like that there is a, a real opportunity for Microsoft. And again, Miranda, your point is well taken about it's, it's a little weird to talk about this in the in the context of economic distress, uh, but at the same point, we're here. We're on an Xbox podcast. We're sensitive to all that, but we're we are here to talk about the the world and the business of Xbox. So, yeah, I, I it, the the planets seem to be aligning to give Microsoft a chance to get off to a a pretty good start here. Absolutely, yeah. and to also to chime in, we can't forget about Lockhart. Yes. Yeah, some rumors of that starting to pick up now. The Series S, which is what we've been calling it for a while, 
Uh, is it going to be shown off soon? I mean, I would think it would have to be revealed soon. There's the, the winds are blowing that maybe it's a four teraflop machine, which would actually put it beneath the Xbox One X on the power spectrum. But maybe it would have things like the uh, the high speed hard drive, the NVS, uh, NVSE. Mm. Nope. Thank you, Destin. <laughs> See, this is what, what happens when I'm talking off the top of my head. But yeah, so it's the, the picture should be a lot clearer in a month. But uh, for now, Microsoft seems to be sitting really, really well here. And Sony has been overall very quiet. Uh, and the, the, the coronavirus has thrown everything into chaos. So Microsoft's sitting well right now. And, and the ball is in Sony's court to figure out what they're going to do. But it's going to be, I think the next two months will be super, super interesting. All right. Uh, let me move on with the, the sort of rest of the news. And I, this, I, I got to stop talking and let you guys talk here because Grand Theft Auto 6. <laughs> I'm about to say has, this is your story, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> no, Seth too. Come on, Seth. Uh, hey. uh, yes, I do love GTA, but yeah, I know it's shocking news that it, there's it's confirmed that Grand Theft Auto 6 is in development, but uh, an anonymous source close to Rockstar confirming to IGN an initial report by Kotaku that GTA, the next Grand Theft Auto game, is in development. Now, Kotaku's report, what's interesting about this, this isn't just, well, duh, of course, GTA 6 is in development, but uh, Kotaku's report places a, a large focus on workplace changes that are allegedly being implemented at Rockstar following, you guys remember, the, the, it was a real big topic of discussion largely on the back of Kotaku's reporting as uh, if you're not watching on video, by the way, let me just sorry. say you need, to, you need to be watching on video. Don't you're getting, sorry. It's amazing. <laughs> you're getting cat tail. You're getting all kinds of good stuff, but a little cat kiss. So uh, in any case, the report goes on to explain that due to the changing nature of conditions at Rockstar, the company is considering ways of altering production to avoid similar crunch issues as they ran into on Red Dead Redemption 2. One such plan, is to allegedly have the next Grand Theft Auto be a, quote, moderately sized release, which by Rockstar standards would probably still be a large game, that is then expanded with regular updates over time, which may help mitigate stress and crunch. Uh, Rockstar has attempted to root out the causes of widespread crunch reported at the studio, including changes in leadership throughout many of its offices, outside management training, and plans to improve technology pipelines and scheduling for production on GTA 6. Uh, well, there's concern at the studio, according to Kotaku's report, but many anonymous developers speaking to Kotaku were cautiously optimistic about the future. So there's a lot to, to break down there. Uh, we should probably start with the idea of a moderately sized GTA 6 and what that would look like. The more I think about this, the more I actually really, really like the idea of a moderately sized GTA moderately sized still means huge it's still going to be a huge <laughs> expansive world in terms of what like what rockstar is going to deliver right and that means that we're going to get expansions that continue to increase the size of that world over time and i love the idea of having constant updates that give me new areas to explore in the world of grand theft auto it also gives them the opportunity to be more timely or uh topical with the content that they're able to bring to the game Seth, so, talk to me. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm kind of with, with Destin on this one. Like, I, I'm looking forward to sort of the quote-unquote moderately sized release. But at the same time, if this, you know, this is coming to the next generation systems, a lot of the time they're going to be spending is building the just, like, the graphical assets, you know, for a new 4K or, you know, oh yeah, supposedly 8K supporting consoles. So there's going to be, like, it's going to have to be this sort of ground-up rebuild with just everything. So I think by the very nature of technology moving forward, it kind of has to be moderately sized release. So I think they're sort of telling us like, you know, oh, uh, it has to be this way, but we, we planned it like that. <laughs> it's an interesting point. Yeah, you make a good point, Miranda. So one of the things that I like about the potential with this is honestly, it actually reminds me of a game I'm playing right now a lot, which is Animal Crossing. Um, <laughs> I thought weird. you were going to weird... say Outer Wilds. GTA Egg Day. <laughs> no, no, not quite, not quite. Uh, which is weird to compare it like that because uh, for a lot of Animal Crossing fans, it, there's a lot of things that seem to be like missing from classic versions. Um, like certain characters, certain buildings, they're just like not included. But the, before it came out, they're like, hey guys, we're gonna have these big free updates. Like we're gonna have events, we're gonna have all these other things. We're seeing more and more now that they're gonna use those free updates to add in that like classic stuff that we kind of expected to have with like 
different systems to them to make them more interesting to how they're putting out this game. Um, and of course, it launched with like different features that were really exciting and new. So I could see GTA doing something similar like that. Um, and I think Nintendo was really smart about how they planned the release too. So they, they essentially started giving us the biggest update with another new whole collectible system 30 days after. And like, that's like actually a weird benchmark in the game for how long you've been playing and certain things unlock. So it's like, okay, if they can time their releases and like their update and their content or their bigger content updates with like expectations for when players either kind of hit, you know, I guess like a benchmark of like, oh, they should have all these things done by then. Like an average player would do this, all this by then. They would be completed and then they'd be kind of ready for another big chunk of content that I think that could actually go really, really well. And Dustin, to your point, keep it a little bit more topical, keep it more interesting. And I think uh, one of the things that I always worry about with big games is like side quests and making them meaningful and interesting. And I think GTA does a great job with that. But I think they could just take it a step forward with that too, because they'll have potentially more time to write them and get a little bit more innovative with what they do in these stories and whatever they choose to add. So I think this could be like actually a really fun way to kind of keep that longevity going for GTA 6. Yeah, yeah Dustin, go ahead. Yeah. It's oh, sort yeah, of like you just... two, it's two models and they've really found a sweet spot. You're going to get your Netflix binge style, huge content drop, right? And then yes. you're going to get uh, episodes that will continue to evolve that world. Maybe you'll follow a character or something. I'm incredibly excited about what they do with this. And if it means that their workers are going to be treated better and they're going to have a better work-life balance and environment, I'm all for it, especially because at the end of the day, we're still going to get GTA 6, which I have all the faith in the world that Rockstar will be able to deliver on. They haven't let us down yet and go from there. Yeah, you, Dustin, you make a great point because a moderately sized GTA is not going to lose one copy of sales from being moderately sized. This is Grand Theft Auto. It's going to be, again, I've said this before on the podcast. We've talked about this. I'm I'm willing to bet any lunch that we're it's gonna be 10 years between Grand Theft Autos. There's this this piece already says it's it's still it's early in development, uh, which makes sense because again, Rockstar largely works as one giant global unit now, not a bunch of Rockstar North, Rockstar San Diego, Rockstar Vancouver, all that. That's all done and they are one giant studio. And so that means they were all on Red Dead 2, which shipped in the the fall of 2018. So they're collectively roughly a year and some change into GTA, which isn't that long considering that GTA 5 took, what, I think five or six years of development. I think we're probably, again, it's going to be fall 2023. I think it's three years at the earliest for the next GTA, which would, again, put it 10 years after five. But yeah, Destin, what, what you're talking about with, uh, sorry, Miranda, what you're talking about with, with the... The, iter the staying topical, I think, is a great point because that series has one of the many parts that, about it that are brilliant to me is how it's such a it's such a satire of that moment in time when it comes out. GTA Four in Liberty City, two thousand eight, was sort of the the initial rise of social media, uh, you know, as as a good example, and and a lot of the and they had internet cafes still and. Uh, and in the, including in the game. And so, yeah, the, the idea, they're already kind of working that way now and have been for five years because of, or gosh, no, six, seven years with GTA Online, where there, it's just a constant iterative improvement uh, and, and they've added more stuff. But so just naturally extending that to the single player side of things could make a lot of sense. All I was going to say is like, wait, 10 years? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Just because, I don't know, like GTA has always felt, GTA 5 in particular has always felt like it's still living pretty healthy life. Yes. It's still oh, going, yeah. like that community still bustling. There's always something interesting going on. And and like here, it's like, oh, it's almost been 10 years. It's like, excuse you? <laughs> Yeah, oh, it was in like it was, the top it was ten. The number, yeah, thank you, Seth. Go, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> it's like every month, it's in the top ten releases in the NPD numbers, and like some months, it'll be the top selling game of yeah. the month. Yeah, a six yeah. six and a half year old game, and just in the NPDs just came out. I think it was yesterday for uh, March, and it was. I don't have it in front of me, unfortunately, it, but I believe it was the the fourth or fifth best selling game. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Of, it's over, March well over 100 million. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's crazy. Uh, it's, it's just, uh, I've been so tempted to go back to it, too, but I, I managed too. to find myself. I, I'm busier than ever with work, despite not having a commute anymore. Uh, <laughs> somehow things are still crazy busy, but um, 
but yeah, it's it's just incredible to see the success of that game. But GTA 6, yeah, like I said, it's going to be a cultural event whenever it comes out, even if it's moderately sized. And gamers now are used to that steady drip of content from from all their favorite games. So GTA has to evolve with the times on that as well. And if it, as you guys said, if it makes for a better work life balance for the uh, for the global staff, all the better. Next this week, uh, I think we'll, I don't know if we're able to put it up now so you guys can see it or if it'll just go up in post for mainly our audience to see it. But the Xbox Series X logo has uh, seemingly been revealed via a patent discovery. I don't, I, I'm going to assume that we're seeing it now because we're not literally seeing it live, but yay post-production. <laughs> uh, so what do you guys think of this thing? Now, this obviously isn't, we're just talking about the Series X part itself we're not talking about you know, the, the xbox nexus we've already seen what the series x looks like it's the same xbox nexus logo uh, for the button and the, the you know the power button and, and on the box itself but for this typography this this sort of design choice what do you guys think i don't like it at all <laughs> no i hope that's not it no that looks like uh like it, it looks like the logo you'd see on some obscure piece of like magnetic media from the late 90s or something i don't i don't like it <laughs> Maxell wow. HD floppy disk 1.44 <laughs> megabytes. So I think because more this, <laughs> so because this is like a trademark thing, I think it's the most boring version of the logo they possibly could, just for trademarking purposes. So yeah. there's no coloration to it. There's no gradient on it. It's just very solid. I could imagine that the designers and if they have any animation with the logo, they could they could really uh, spice this up and make it look pretty good. I, I do agree with Seth. I don't really love this version of it, but it's because the artists haven't really had a chance to mess around and make it look snazzy, so to speak. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I, I like it, it fine. I think, I mean, you can only do so much with Series X. Like, Series is pretty long, and then you got a big X. It's like, mm. there's not a ton I feel like you can do with that. I mean, there's obviously a lot of options, but I think the design they presented really feels like it fits the console. I mean, because they are going for this very sleek tower. It's very clean cut. It's not supposed to be really flashy. And I think this showing that they're not trying to be flashy, it just looks very professional, um, is pretty representative of that idea. It's throughout. very lacking in flash. I agree. This yeah, it's not meant to be like flash deficient. <laughs> and that's the thing is like, I think with these new, con or at least with the Microsoft consoles, they're not, I think we brought this up before, like their, their designs aren't meant to be like toys. Like they're professional pieces of tech in a way, even though they are toys because it's video games. This kind is... of kind yeah, of sometimes. This... <laughs> Sorry, Miranda. No, that's um... fine. Yeah, it's just, you know. <laughs> I think <laughs> I mean, something... Go ahead, this is, some... this is something we'll see like on the back of the console, on the UPC number. And it's something you're going to see on banners during, you know, E3 next year if it's still happening. And uh during football games this is for readability this is for you know brand placement this isn't something you're going to see necessarily on the front of your console they still have the xbox logo this is specifically a marketing thing that they they've designed so we'll have to wait to see the final implementation of the of the look destin i i, I didn't even have that in my notes so it's like you're reading my brain right now oh, yeah. uh because that was exactly my thought is this this is kind of a not a non-story. I mean, obviously I wouldn't have brought it up if it was a non-story, but, but you're right. I mean, this is just going to be for marketing materials. Like mm -hmm. it's, as you said, it won't be on the front of the console. It probably won't even be in the interface. Like when you boot up the console, except maybe on the, the splash screen, which you'll pretty much never see because if most, I think most of us probably keep our consoles in the, in the always on mode so that mm -hmm. it boots up instantly. So yeah, it's just for marketing materials. You'll probably never see it. Now, I, uh, a Twitter follower pointed this out, and I, I couldn't have agreed more. I, I get why they stuck with the Nexus logo, because they're trying to break down generational walls and say, hey, this is an Xbox family now. But, you know, it, this was a, would have been a cool opportunity. And I'll bet if Phil were here, he, could, he would probably confirm that they did think about this. But it, it would have been cool if they'd have gone back to the original xbox logo the thing that like explodes out of the 2d plane <laughs> yeah, the yeah. X. because after all the name of the console is xbox and then it's this we've got the series x and then presumably the series s coming so they they could have gone back because why not wash away 
any bad will remaining for from this generation of <laughs> Xbox One and just bring it back to the OG logo, I'm sure that had to be a consideration at some point. And that would have been a cool thing to have as like a, a, a button on the on the front of the Series X. It would have. <laughs> uh, I will say that the, the design they have presented, I, I don't want to stick with it. Like I, I'll pass. That's, yeah. that's a bad sign. <laughs> but like to your point, yeah, that's, they, they still have our little nexus. We, we've got that good piece and like, I guess for like more marketing material stuff and like whatever they choose to do for like the overarching, like just Xbox logo eventually we'll see. I, I don't know if they're going to do anything different specifically for that line of hardware, but um, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Destiny. Who's going to get the tattoo first is what I want to know. Oh, the Series X tattoo? Somebody, yeah. I guarantee somebody's got one already. Like they, oh, yeah. they, like they're, they're a tattoo artist so they can, they can be at home and they're incredibly talented so they could, I don't know, maybe aim for a thigh or something where they, they, didn't, <laughs> they didn't need a weird angle. Somebody's probably already done it even despite the quarantine. I'd be willing to bet. If somebody can produce evidence of that for me on social media, it would prove my point. <laughs> What you, it's going to be you, Seth. You could do it. Come on, buddy. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't have any branded tattoos. Yeah. Who's that in your lap, Seth? Who, what, this what is an adorable Oscar, creature. My little dog, and he's stuck in here with me, and he was crying, so I'm uh, I'm trying to keep him from ruining the show. Aww. Uh, yeah. Well, I just my cat with water. <laughs> <laughs> Different parenting styles. Cat versus dogs in a nutshell right there. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what the if the final final Series X typeface slash logo ends up any different from from what's uh, unearthed in that patent. Uh, next, so here's this one's a little out of left field, and I have to say, I mean, I know a lot of people are happy about this. I'm not going to rain on anybody's I'm joy. I'm happy about this. Good. We'll talk about it in a second. I just want to say, I'm I'm getting personally dangerously close to being very fed up with remasters in general because they are like starting we talked about this one or two shows ago that it's the beginning of the generation and now like we are seeing a huge uptick of these here at the end of the generation and this one though is at least going to make a lot of people happy because this game's been gone for a while destin crisis remastered yeah the original crisis so can it run crisis Yes, your console can run crisis <laughs> yeah. now that we're in 2020. It's being co-developed by Saber Interactive, who are no stranger to the remaster game. They did Halo Anniversary for Microsoft and 343. Crisis Remastered features improved graphics and optimizations for current-gen consoles. This includes high-quality textures, improved art assets, temporal anti-aliasing, I don't even know what SSDO is or SVOGI. Those must be PC bits that I that are out of my depth. Lighting things. Yeah, uh, depth of field, new light settings, motion blur, particle effects, and there will even be software-based ray tracing. That's that. I'm guessing that's not on because an Xbox One can't do that. Uh, neither can a PS4. But in any case, because it's coming to everything: PS4, Xbox One, PC, and Switch. There's even crisis on the switch. Yeah. Okay. You know? So there you go. But uh, yeah. So Destiny, okay. you're, you're you're excited about this. I am really excited about this. I actually just started playing through the original Crisis again on my PC. We posted 21 minutes of of the original Crisis from 2007 on uh, YouTube.com/ign, and it holds up. It still looks so good. Um, there's a lot of stuff you have to do to sort of like get the game running right now. I'm really really excited for this remaster. One of the main problems with the original game is it was built for one processor, so you only use one of your processor cores on pc when you run it and that's why it still runs like crap digital foundry has a fantastic breakdown about the original crisis but just moving this game to the the crisis 3 engine or the newest engine that is utilized it's going to take it above and beyond uh where that original looked some of the stuff that i hope that they improve i hope they improve how the vehicles look because like the opening cutscene has an airplane that sort of flies in and you can kind of tell they didn't spend as much time on that but they spent a lot of time on a lot of the the main characters who wear the suits and their face models and they're just showing off in that trailer and i am absolutely impressed by how good it still looks in 2020 there's games that that just never quite got there the way crisis did and i'm very very excited for this remaster personally uh let's not i'm not done talking about crisis yet let's let's continue the crisis <laughs> conversation because i i do think there's there's a lot here cuz the next point i wanted to bring up and i'm curious what you guys think of this is 
I mean, I get it from a business perspective. You want to put this out on platforms that have, you know, in the, the Xbox's case, the Switch's case, you're 50 million plus and the PS4, 100 million. But this is a game whose, it's it's a beloved game on its own merits for the gameplay. But to, to Destin's point, it was this, this unicorn of a technical achievement of a game and it's time. And it's like, I would be more excited about this if it were a Series X like launch game or early window game where it could use hardware retracing, uh, ray tracing, pardon me. It could use the the instant, you know, it could use the hard drive, the, the fast hard drive. It could use the, 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 the full 12 teraflop experience, basically. Like, let's see, like, it, we've already skipped a couple of generations uh, for, since Crisis. Like, what's one more? Let's, let's make this game, if we're going to do a remaster, air this thing out. Let's see it on the 12 teraflop box. So I think that's where I'm a little, I guess, just disappointed. Now, I'm not saying this isn't going to be cool and it's not going to look great and be fun again, but we're this close to the Series X. <laughs> it's just like, oh, come on, wait a little longer. And let's get a Series X version now. Hopefully, there'll be a an a, you know an, an update, a, a, a smart delivery update. But still, I'm a little bummed. I, I hate to rain on anybody's parade here. So the opening mission takes place on August seventh, I believe, 2020. So it would be amazing if that was the release date. A lot of our commenters on the YouTube video kept pointing that out. <laughs> so I, I think that would just be like a really really fun nod that they could sort of of have to themselves. But uh, yeah, Ryan, I'm sure it'll come out. Like if it works on the Xbox One, it'll work on all Xbox family of devices, right? So it's not there. Uh, this game well, also but taking taking full advantage. I'm saying that's what I want. Ah, yeah. Well, yeah, it probably will. I don't know how that stuff works. I assume that's engine based. Like if it has more more power to take advantage of, I, I think it will. Right. This originally came out on PC, PS3, and Xbox 360. I just brought up the Wikipedia. Well, it originally came out on PC. I think the I yeah. believe the console ports were later. Yeah, I think. Yeah, mm. um, I think it makes a lot of sense. I agree with you that it should they should have just waited just a little bit because this was like such a famous game as far as showing off what your PC could do at the I, time. I think that's what most people know it for too. It's like, yeah. oh, that's how you test if your PC, like you test certain things on your PC, that's right? That's how you knew if it was a real beast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the funny ahead, thing, Destin. the really funny thing is, uh, the reason that it runs like crap is because the game's not optimized. It's nothing to do with <laughs> like how powerful your PC is. It was just optimized for crap. They were, <laughs> they were. You tell um, them. Well, I mean, like they they were building for the tech at the time, so they could only like take take advantage of certain type of CPUs, and and that was more of the challenge for how your PC can run it because modern PCs still have trouble running it, and I believe it was built for thirty frames. Don't quote me on that, but you you Probably. can get you can get it up to sixty. Their intro cutscenes were also rendered at a very low quality, which is just kind of kind of goes against the whole the whole history of the product looks like the ps3 and 360 versions came out in 2012 yeah at least sounds right that's when so so it came out on pc in 2007 then 2012 ps3 and 360 uh had their versions and then i remember so what i remember about this series is uh it was a franchise ea got involved with it and published two and three if memory serves you probably have it in front of you there desk there was Um, there was also warhead yeah yeah, Warhead but, was 2008. Right, that was that was before EA got involved. Yeah. Uh, Crisis Two, if I, I think I'm remembering, almost positive it's two. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember the uh, the very brief 3D era, the 3D glasses era of uh, oh, yeah. of not only ho- not only movies at home but video games as well? Oh, yeah. And I actually I, forgot I re- all about that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Arkham Arkham City had a 3D, which was actually pretty cool looking because I had, it was the TV before this ability and it, I think it, it must have come with the glasses because I had them. But Crisis 2 on a console on the 360 had 3D support and it was actually pretty neat. Like it added a neat kind of depth of field with your gun and the first person view and some of the, the building stuff. But that's it's funny that that's my, my distinct memory of the sequels because then Crisis 3, I remember, I feel like it kind of came and went with not, not that it was a bad game, but it just kind of didn't really stand out. It seemed to come and go without a ton of fanfare. And it just seemed like another game, another franchise that EA 
kind of just wasn't able to successfully really have blossom into into a franchise. I mean, you could even argue Dead Space, like the original, so beloved, even two, but then like three kind of feel like yeah. seemed tailed off, and then of course we never got another Dead Space again. But um, yeah, I don't know if you guys even have memories of the sequels, or if so... if pretty much everybody's love is for the original. <laughs> well. I was the lead on Crisis 3. I think I was, I don't know if I was on wikis, but I know I did the in five minutes for the Crisis story. The story's very bad. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Um, just, yeah, I'm playing through one again right now. I'm about halfway through one, and I'm like, oh, yeah, the aliens show up, and then you have to fight the aliens, and and then, like, the world gets destroyed, and you have the cure in your bloodstream, and it just, it kind of, like, jumps the shark. <laughs> three really focused on stealth and you had this cool bow mechanic that was introduced that was when bows were all the rage yes and, i remember yeah I so too. uh three three was still good it ran much better than than one and two we also built a pc please don't google that video we got so much shit for that video because like we didn't wear wrist straps <laughs> and we didn't put up the thermal face i used that pc for seven years <laughs> until i parted it out to build a more powerful pc at ign but yeah um, wrist straps yeah it's just like if you just touch the case you're fine yeah just touch the grounding you're fine <laughs> yeah, i've exactly. never worn wrist straps while building pc <laughs> so anyway also, don't listen to me yeah i i had a i did a ton of work with the crisis franchise and um for ign specifically and yeah uh i like the crisis crisis games i think it's going to be cool to have one come back and be optimized for modern hardware i can't wait to see how they improve it from where it already is because it still looks gorgeous today check out the first 21 minutes on ign uh if you, if you haven't yet to kind of like take a trip down memory lane it's it's neat i do actually want to do that i'm going to go look at that video after this because if i were, if my memory my old guy memory serves me correctly <laughs> crisis was kind of a spiritual sequel to far cry because Ubisoft bought the rights to Far Cry and took o took over the franchise entirely, because you know Far Cry Two was uh, went off in a totally different direction. That's Mitch Dyer's favorite Far Cry, and uh, and that became a Ubisoft franchise. And and Crytek was left with, so they had to make their own new series, and that's where Crisis came from. I think I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah, but. and you know what the funny thing is, Digital Foundry brings that up in their video, and Far Cry holds up much better like interesting it's, it's much more optimized so i don't know what happened with uh <laughs> crisis but yeah but uh yeah i mean if it's if it's coming to pc as well that at least bodes well for the prospect of a proper series x patch for it to take advantage of the hardware ray tracing and of all of the the series x features because that's like for me i I don't think I really want to dive back into it on even a one X. Like I'm, I'm going to hold out. I'm going to, cause I'm going to wait and see if we get that series X uh, update, because I weirdly never had the love for this game, uh, which is weird because I've is, I am. And certainly was probably even more so back then a, a huge, just first person shooter genre fan in general. And something about it just never, maybe it's cause my, I'll bet my machine just never ran it. Well, would be my guess if I'm trying to think back. Well, there's that, and the characters aren't aren't super <laughs> relatable, to put, it, to put it mildly. Like they keep just killing each other by, you know, melting their teammates. So, so there's that, and and the plot just kind of is all over the place with the aliens. It's it's hard to grasp on. Play through that first mission though. That first mission really really shines on the the tech front and what that engine was capable of. Sweet. Well, glad you uh, put that video together. Excellent. Subtle plug there, Destin. That's how we do things I've on a block. Really <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Uh, good stuff. All right. So let's see here. Let's move on to our next topic, which is Gamescom and conventions. So we've had E3 already canceled. We've had uh, Comic-Con just canceled very recently. Now, this past week, Gamescom as well, which, of course, from a person people a headcount perspective absolutely dwarfs e3 just makes it look like a play date compared to compared to e3 uh, compared to, to gamescom which is four hundred thousand people we've all been there uh it is it is quite the spectacle <laughs> seth is nodding nope. negatively but that's okay you you have survived you've by not going you made it <laughs> you're 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 fine uh, but yeah, it's uh, there's everybody, somebody every year 
post the the video on social media of the the hordes of people coming through when the when the uh, the show opens of just and it's literally literally wall to wall so of a 15 20 foot wide concourse hall literally packed like zombies yeah it's not even just like the opening either like the the reason i've never really wanted to go is because uh former coworker brian albert had taken the photo when he first went and just this one hallway is like like you literally wall-to-wall people yeah. like there's there's no breathing room everyone's like shoulder to shoulder and that's just it it's just very packed and i was like yeah it's a no lot. Thanks. I mean, I, I, it's, I think it's great that believe, I'm not trying to dump on Gamescom. It's a great event and it's it's a oh, public yeah. event. That's the thing. It's It's been more of a coordinated public event for m- many years, whereas E3 is just in the last couple of years had tried to get on the, all right, well, let's open it up to the public bandwagon, uh, which was so long overdue. But, um, but yeah, so 400,000 people and now Gamescom here in April, well ahead of the show in August issuing a statement saying that Gamescom uh, will under no circumstances take place on site in Cologne, Germany. Uh, instead, there will be a digital Gamescom, which the team is working full speed on. Tickets, tickets purchased for the physical event will be refunded in the coming weeks, which, Ooh. I mean, it just, of course, you, you, you can't have, there's no way you could at this stage right. say we can have 400,000 people in a, in a convention center. Are they, are they yeah. teasing E3 with that full speed remark? Because that's what E3 said. We're full speed ahead. And now Gamescom saying the same thing. I just found it kind of interesting. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you never know. You, a little context into how many people. It's 400. That, Maine's biggest city is 75,000 people. And wow. in the metropolitan area, it's only 250,000 people. So there are almost twice as many people in this one convention as there are in the entirety of Southern Maine. Wow. <laughs> that yeah. is some context for sure. <laughs> that's, that's, it's, it's four Rose Bowls full of people. If you're, uh, four, you're thinking like the Rose Bowl, it's like four of those all together. That's, that's, that's Gamescom. They didn't have any um, choice, though, because I believe the German government just said no gatherings like until August 31st. And Gamescom was like, "Ah." yeah, and they were holding on until the government made them go digital only, basically. But now it seems like they've changed their tune and adjusted to the digital event, which is which is good. I think they can make a badass digital event. Yeah. And Jeff Keighley is once again going to do his Gamescom opening night live as a event. So making it, you know, which which should be an especially Jeff's got a great opportunity uh, with no with no E3. I mean, so does IGN with Summer of Gaming. So, uh, yeah, Gamescom should be fun this year. Yes, we will have plenty of (laughs) of cool reveals. World exclusive. Um, So, yeah, it's it's going to be good, but it, it just makes perfect sense because even even if things do get safer by the time August rolls around, I got to imagine that we're going to ramp slowly back into larger and larger public gatherings and a 400, I mean, 400,000 people is at the extreme high end of the scale. I mean, the, a basketball game is 20,000 people. Even an NFL football game, most of those stadiums are 70, 80,000. We're talking 400,000 people all in one area. Uh, now, on that same note, PAX as well, uh, another one of the more popular, of course, that's just all four gamers. PAX has been so successful for, gosh, so many. PAX must be 15 years, 10, 15 years old by now. Uh, they are still saying, because they're due to have PAX West, the artist formerly known as PAX Prime, that first weekend of September is is their always their go-to. Uh, and they are still saying that they're uh, on track. They are still planning for that. I would, uh, again, with my gambling addiction, I would be willing to bet <laughs> any meal there's that there's no way that PAX West happens. And I don't, again, I don't say that maliciously. I just, I think this is going to have to be a gradual uh, ramp back to, to public gatherings. And I, I just can't see any convention happening anytime soon, even in September. I mean, that's only early September is only like two or three weeks after games come. So mm. it's not a lot of, not a lot of a, a difference there. I'm being optimistic. I'm hoping it comes. Like I said on Twitter, PAX East was the last time we all got together to have fun. Yeah, I think it'd be kind of cool if PAX West was the first time we all got together again. And on the, uh, on the selfish side of that is I know that if nobody else wants to go, then it's my time to shine because I love Seattle. I'll go, I'll go there anytime. So, 
<laughs> you just like the corners of the country, don't you? Maine, <laughs> Seattle. Well, it's like well, that Mitch Hedberg joke. I want I want to put a pin on all the maps, so I had to go to the corners first. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we'll we'll get you down to Orlando for something. Maybe some Star Wars uh, Disneyland thing. And oh, yeah. Then uh, San Diego. I guess you'd have to you'd have to make your way to, to when Comic Con opens back up. That's yeah. You got you're talking about appearing on every podcast, Seth. You got to make your way to the four major corners of the country. I'm into it. It can happen. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's now move to. Uh, we've only got a few minutes left, actually. So let's uh, let's see. I better let's skip right to trivia. We'll hold loot box. Yeah, we want to make sure to get a trivia question in. All right, this one comes from Henry Chen in Quincy, Massachusetts, up Seth's way in his general direction. How we doing, Bob? Yeah, his gamer tag <laughs> is. Uh, I I'm not quite sure how to pronounce this. It's I'm gonna say. Xephyr, X-P-H-X-R. No vowels there, but that's okay. And quickly, because uh, we're, we're running out of time, but this is a good one. Uh, Seth, do you tell me, I, I, know, I know that the gaming tastes better here of my usual unlock panelists. Are you a Forza or racing game fan in general? Yes, I love racing games, and I love Forza, and I know the answer to this one. Or at least I'm very certain that I do. Excellent. Oh, I'll go to you last then. This pleases me. <laughs> so uh, Henry Chen from Quincy, Massachusetts asks this question. I'm going to go to Miranda first here. Forza Horizon, the original Forza Horizon, released on October 23rd, 2013. So that's coming up on its seventh anniversary. What car was on the cover of the first Forza Horizon? Miranda Sanchez, was it the Lamborghini Aventador, the Ferrari SP30 Aria, the SRT Viper, or the Chevrolet Corvette? All right, Ryan. I'm going to tell you right now. Yeah? I know almost nothing about cars. That's, that's <laughs> so, okay. So uh, I'm going to make a very wild guess. Um, I'm going to go A with a Lamborghini, because I know what those are. All right. <laughs> I know what a Ferrari is, too. I also know what a Corvette is, but... All right, we'll go with the lamp. The Aventador is a it is beautiful alien looking vehicle. I've I I actually can remember the last time I saw one on the road because it was just it compared to normal cars. The Aventador <laughs> looks like it came from another planet. It is a uh, quite the wow. beast. I'm looking up. Destin. I've already answered to this matter. Uh, I thought it was the Ferrari, but that's a different game. Actually, I realize I don't think it's Lamborghini. I, I'm gonna go D Corvette. I'm the vet, the all right. I'm worried it's the Viper. The vet, I mean, hey, the vet is uh, America's. That's like America's sports car. It is. Mm. It gets. It gets a big redesign every handful of years, and it, it tends to get a lot of a lot of attention when that does happen. So you yeah. could be onto something there. They just came out with the the latest Corvette, which is making you know making a big deal in the uh, big splash in the automotive world. Mm -hmm. All right, Seth. What Here's do you say, my friend? Be between when I was so confident and now I've lost all confidence and I, I doubt myself because now I'm thinking that the Lamborghini Aventador was on the cover of Horizon 3, actually. Yeah. And so I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm going to say it's the Ferrari was on the first one because I don't actually remember now. Okay, I was too so, confident. I tripped myself up. So you're going with the Ferrari. Miranda's the got Ferrari. the Lambo. And uh, Destin has taken the, the vet. Do I have that correct? Mm -hmm. So... You've you've somehow all managed to d give a different answer and get it wrong. It was the Viper, oh, the, the return of the Viper. Dodge retired the Viper for a while and brought it back under their performance brand SRT, the SRT Viper, and that was on the cover of the very first Forza Horizon, which was set. How about this, Seth? Do you remember where the first Forza Horizon was set? Oh God, I'm putting you on the spot. I know. Four is in the UK and three yep. is in Australia and yep. two is in the first one was in Canada, Saskatoon. You're, I mean, <laughs> you're closer than you're, you're in the general. I don't remember. And I played two, that game a lot. I like that game. Two, two was the South of France, the fr French oh, coast. Nice. And the original was in Colorado. Okay. Yeah. Colorado. Okay. I'll say oh, this, that Viper looks a lot like the more modern vets. You guys look at this cool Lamborghini I found. I actually don't know if you can see it well. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like a rainbow chrome one. I was like, oh, wow. the mother pearl, yeah. Two All was right. the Lambo. Uh, 
Yes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. It's All right. a Tron one. It's really cool. Anyway, and sorry. I went down and the whole like cool cars and I'm like, yeah. wow. Uh, if if New listeners out there have a, an unlocked block trivia question, please send it in. I could always use more good trivia questions to try and stump the panel, as Henry Chen successfully did. So send your trivia questions to unlocked at IGN.com. Uh, use the, uh, sorry, give me four multiple choice answers. Note the correct one in your email, and we'll play again next week. And with that, uh, I want to thank the panel I'm Ryan McCaffrey. You can find me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Seth, where can we find you for our, for our unlocked crew that's not used to following your exploits? Why, you can find me on Twitter at Seth Macy. I keep it real easy for me. There's no E in there. It's M-A-C-Y, like the store. Nice. Miranda. Hi, you can follow me at Havoc Gross, and that's Havoc with a K pretty much anywhere. Uh, if you're not following Seth, you're making a huge mistake. Oh. Because his, his account is the best. You're Come super funny. Thank you're you. You're so good. Thank you. I concur. He is the best. God, D- Destin, take us home, my friend. Best that podcast ever been on. You guys really, there's this one thing that you guys need to check out this week, and that is Seth Macy's Twitter account. It is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Uh, definitely go watch it. And then go watch that Crisis gameplay to go down memory lane. <laughs> All right. For uh, Destin Legary, Miranda Sanchez, Seth Macy, and yes, Steve Downs at the top of the show. I'm Ooh. Ryan McCaffrey. This was Unlocked 440, and we'll see you back here next week. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.